Welcome to Me and the Geek. I'm me, that's Joel Sharpton. You can follow me on Twitter at The Rogues Life. And every week on Me and the Geek, we bring you a geeky conversation with a different geek for a peek into their world. Everybody is passionate about something. And to me, that makes them a geek. So what we do is we bring you uh, someone with a different passion every week. We talk about comic books. We talk about Dungeons and Dragons. We talk about um, lighting design. We're going to talk about micro manufacturing coming up pretty soon. Uh, this week, though, we're going to talk about fatherhood. You know, I'm a dad. I've got uh, two boys, a seven-year-old and a six-year-old son, and then I've also got two little girls that are almost 19 months old now. They will be uh, this weekend, as a matter of fact. And so I wanted to celebrate that and the impending Father's Day holiday, at least here in the States. And So the kids have asked for an H-A-P-P-Y meal. You know what that means, right? Big Mac for you. Winner. Just imagine their little faces. But wait, don't say yes just yet. You're the boss, the head honcho. You make the calls round here. Show them your thinking face. No, not your thinking of a Big Mac face. Give them some mmms, ahs, some let me sees. Right, dramatic pause. You ready? Go ahead. Make your day. Sorry, their day. Happy meal. Win-win. Served after 10.30am, except in selected restaurants, which will serve this from 11am. I wanted to talk to another dad that's in a similar situation to me. He's got a couple of small kids. He's also a creative guy, and I think he's got a lot of bright ideas about how to integrate those two sides of himself into being a father. And um, anyway, I think there's something that you might can take from it, too. Our guest this week is Philip Michael LeBlanc. He's a professor at Louisiana Tech in the journalism department. He's a designer. He's a photographer. He's a great guy, and he's a good dad, too. Let's check out this conversation. We're going to join it already in progress as we're discussing uh, Ringer, the app that I use to make these interviews happen. He is, uh, of course, uh, in the journalism department at Louisiana Tech, and so he was sort of intrigued by the way that I was making these interviews happen. Uh, So this is this week's episode of Me and the Geek. This is a really, really neat app. They're going to have long-term like a plug-in for a Mac desktop and Windows desktop, so you could even plug in these headbuds to your computer or if you have like a nice setup with a microphone and everything you could use that to to do this as well so like I'll be able to sit in my studio and make the phone call and talk to somebody on their phone like this and and get both sides of the recording I'm so excited about these people no it's perfect actually because from from a journalism standpoint and I'm I'm kind of stuck in that world although I'm not a journalist myself I'm a designer primarily but um we've been trying to do multimedia you know videos and you know and, and and phone interviews and stuff like that and usually the the bad thing about it is you just have that one track and if anything pops in there any noise or anything like that you have to go back and try to cut it and splice and all this stuff but with this having the two different version of the audio. I mean, that's, it's perfect. Well, and when you think about it, especially for like what I do with, with like long form podcast interviews, but even when you're talking about journalists, the person on the other end of the line is theoretically the person with all the information you want to convey. Right. And yet we, the journalist or the podcaster or the interviewer, that's the person with most likely the highest quality audio. And, and you've got this like downgraded, uh, less than for the other guy. And this, it just has always burned me up. Like, and I'm so glad that somebody has started to solve that problem. Yeah. It was just an accepted thing. You just dealt with it as it is. And you see a lot of even multimedia video that you see online. Usually, you know, if you're pulling video from an account of someone pulling their phone and, you know, just getting footage, 
usually have to, you know, just go with the downgraded video or audio. But with this, it's perfect. You kind of have it gives more control to the to the interviewer um, as far as the, the the final output, and that, that's really nice to have. So, as I said in the intro of the show, I'm talking to Philip Michael LeBlanc. I call him Mike. Uh, and uh, he's uh, a good buddy of mine. Uh, but uh, folks, go ahead and tell him, uh, Mike, what your position is. You mentioned that you're sort of tangentially connected to journalism there. You're stuck in that world even though you're a designer. I'm a, an instructor slash kind of uh, unscripted uh, position at, at Louisiana Tech University. Um, I'm in the journalism department there. I teach one or two design courses primarily focused towards publications. And we also do a little bit of multimedia video and uh, voice interviewing as well. But yeah, uh, I was kind of, uh, it just, ha I just happened to kind of fall into this world. I, I worked in, at a local uh, newspaper here in Ruston, Louisiana, the Ruston Daily Leader, and uh, gained a, a relationship with the journalism department. And then when this position opened up, I kind of just naturally fell in. But, uh, but yeah, prim primarily my undergrad, uh, graduate degrees in graphic design, and so uh, for ooh, about like 10 years now, I've been a freelance designer dealing primarily with you know, branding and, you know, publication design, a um, little bit of web design, but uh, got, you know, kind of pushed into the journalism world. And so uh, I've been uh, dealing with that for a few years now. It's been fun. It's been fun not having to be pigeonholed into one thing. And, and all of that is, uh, are different topics that you and I could very much cover here on an episode one day. But the reason why I finally got you on, the reason why I pushed for you uh, to do this first episode was because Father's Day is right around the corner as this gets released. And uh, you and I are both young fathers, geeky fathers, uh, and, and, <laughs> yeah. and in particular, we're both in the creative arts too. And so I thought you'd be a good companion for me to, to talk a little bit about fatherhood for the modern man and different ways that uh, we've emulated our fathers, different ways that we've moved away from the examples that we had maybe, and, and some of the ways that we're integrating geek culture into our parenting styles and, and what we're doing with our kids too. So first of all, you've got two kids. You've got a daughter and a, and a little boy too. So tell, tell the folks a little bit about your, about your family. Man, uh, it's been, it's been a, quite a ride and I guess it's a ride for every father. Uh, it's, it's so, you think you have this thing pigeoned down, uh, um, but it's so different. But anyways, uh, my, um, I've got a daughter. She's uh, six going on seven. Um, she is every bit her father in so many ways, uh, just, uh, uh, and it's funny how kids will, you know, emulate you and, and mirror you, uh, whether you like it or not. But yeah, she's, uh, she's a firecracker, you know, very geeky in her own ways, likes tons of, you know, pop culture already at a young age, um, likes reading a lot, which I'm enthralled uh, about. And uh, I'm hoping that one day I can kind of get her, uh, more and more into, um, into comic books and you know geeky stuff like that. Um, um, I, as a kid, I owned a ton of comic books. I still do, although I, I, I rarely break them open as much as I used to. And uh, we just had a son. My wife and I. Um, his name's Tyler. Uh, the daughter's name's Tegan, by the way. But um, Tyler is seven months old now, and uh, you know it's hard to tell which direction he's gonna go. But uh, he seems to be very, and maybe this is reflective on me. I don't know, but uh, very uh, observant. Like, it's really hard to get a rise out of him. You know, he's very, you know, if you give him an object, usually he takes it and analyzes it, looks at it, looks at it and turns it around. And he, he's, he, nothing really gets his goat. And it's weird. I don't know, I don't know what that's going to turn into, but it, I'm, I'm really jazzed to see what it does because, uh, uh, it, it, you know, maybe uh, this is uh, the beginning stages of him doing something, you know, high-minded or, or, or something like that. I, I don't know, but it, it is... Uh, it is a riot. 
So let's go back all the way to the beginning. Uh, when you were a kid, what was your geekdom? What was your particular nerdhood when you're uh, a little bitty Mike? Yeah, well, I kind of hinted at a few things already. Um, initially, I was big into um, sketching and drawing and a lot of creative things, um, which connected to comic books early on, uh, just looking at you know, physicality of things and how artists, you know, uh, were able to just capture, you know, uh, just the, the, the physical aspect of superheroes, just it, it, it really hooked on. And so early on, um, <laughs> funny enough, and I don't know if uh, many artists start this way, but early on, I would like trace out, you know, I would get my comic books and uh, they, they, it's horrible, the condition that I had my comic books in when I first started collecting, I would take my comic books and kind of tear the pages out and get tracing paper and then, you know, lay it over and try to, you know, emulate what those artists were doing. And after a time, after doing that, I was able to, uh, you know, kind of, you know, do my own thing as far as uh, uh, drawing was concerned. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, it started off with that. And, um, and then, you know, gosh, well, 10 comic books went to, you know, to 20, to 30, to, gosh, I think when I was done, uh, I'd say done, but when when it, at the the, pin, the pinnacle, I guess, of my comic collecting uh, career or whatever you want to call it, um, I guess I had like up to five hundred comic books. Um, so uh, yeah, it was it was it was really a lot of drawing, a lot of comic books, a lot of working with my hand as far as um, um, woodwork is concerned. Uh, my dad was um, a carpenter for those um, for the uh, for those uh, for the for the local uh, uh, school board. And so uh, he always had like leftover wood and like tools laying around. And so I would like go out and just build weird stuff. Um, um, of course, I built a, you know, a rack of, uh, of a com like a comic collector's rack, I guess, where I can, you know, show, you know, showcase all of my comics, uh, just a bunch of weird stuff. And so, uh, I don't know, uh, those were, you know, some of the main things, I guess. Um, and then and, and, and those things continue today. I love a lot of woodworking. I still sketch, uh, obviously, with, you know, my design career um, before you do anything uh, as far as uh, digital uh, polishing is concerned. You have to sketch it out. You have to kind of lay out what you're going to do, on, you know, on pen and paper, with pen and paper. So uh, all those things kind of, I guess, emulated into what I do now. In, in my life, I've got a bunch of things that I follow with a passion that most people would find annoying. <laughs> my wife puts up with them very, very well. Uh, she deals with my obsession with LeBron James. Uh, <laughs> she deals with my, you know, massive fandom for the Marvel movies. We, we watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We watch Agent Carter. We watch... Uh, Daredevil on Netflix. We, you know, we go to all the uh, the big Marvel movies when they come out too. She deals with my Star Wars fandom. She's even watching through the James Bond series, the complete James Bond series with me. The one thing about me that I think she would like to turn down a little bit, I don't think she'd make it go away because she's actually she was the one that first suggested we start it. But I listen to so many podcasts a week now, uh. both because I I just enjoy them. Period. But then also I I, I review them for my other show, Pod on Pod. I think if it, if there's anything that she would change about me, I do wish I, I do think she would wish that I would turn that down a little bit. What is it about you that your wife would probably maybe not completely get rid of, but turn down a little bit? What is your passion that annoys her? Uh, we've talked about this multiple times, uh, she and I, about this, and uh, uh, I over I tend to over explain things quite a lot. Um, when you get into like the technical side of things, I will. I don't know. I, I talk to her like I talk to anybody else. You know, I mean, I, if, if I was explaining how to, you know, I don't know, um, 
I don't know, solder, you know, solder, you know, a, um, a board, you know, or, or something like that. I tell her exactly, exactly what needs to be done. And she'll sit there and entertain me and just look at me with wide eyes. Like she knows exactly what I'm talking about, but she, you know, she, or cares or cares. Yeah, exactly. Or, or gives a crap you know, about it. Um, which is something I love about her. She doesn't, she, she, she doesn't stop me before I even get going. She just sits there and, and listens and, and, you know, and that's awesome. Cause there's a lot of things that she will, you know, will, will discuss that, you know, I do the same thing, you know, I'll sit there and go, yeah, that's great. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I love, you know, uh, everything about your, uh, your stitch fix, but I don't know if you know about stitch fix. She's big into stitch fix now, which is this online, um, you know, kind of curator of clothes for women. I'll sit there and go, yeah, that's lovely. I, I, I think that fits amazing. But, you know, she, you know, I'm sitting there just blank out. So, yeah, she, she, she entertains me quite a lot. Um, and even with, because uh, I'm still, you know, big into all the, you know, uh, Marlboro properties, too. And if, for instance, um, um, Age of Ultron just came out, Marvel uh, Age of Ultron came out, uh, the Avengers Age of Ultron, rather. And uh, uh, she, you know, went with me to see that, you know, in, you know IMAX 3D. And, and uh, you know, she didn't have to. She didn't have to, but she she sits there and entertains all of my little quirks, and and that's what uh, I guess a relationship is all about. What I, I I'm I'm huge in the podcast. I use this app called, uh, and probably a lot of people use it, um, but uh, Stitcher. You know, I've got about oh, like five or six, maybe seven categories of podcasts on Stitcher. You know, all ranging from comedy to you know geek stuff um, to um, just uh, little design issues. Uh, I I constantly walk around the house with my you know my earbuds in listening to the podcast and uh, uh, maybe one of the things that my my wife also kind of <laughs> gets ticked off about because my head's always in a podcast or in the closet or in an audio book or something like that and uh, I tend to kind of disconnect from the family a little bit and uh, <laughs> and it, it's just something I'm working on but uh but it's so it's so hard not to it's so hard not to have uh, your head constantly connected because all these interesting podcasts are coming out. Of uh, uh, Lauren Lapkus is one of my, the one I'm listening to right now. Have you heard of uh, Lauren Lapkus? Uh, I, I just um, special guest Lauren Lapkus is on the Ear, the Earwolf Podcast Network. Um, same guys that do. Oh, you got to listen to. It. She is hilarious. Um, she's um, I think she's actually in the she's she's in the new Jurassic Park movie. Um, I'm not sure what her character is, but I, I, the last podcast I listened to of hers, uh, she she was pushing that and so i think she's in that but she's hilarious um she's uh she does stuff with uh paul of tompkins um which is another uh hilarious podcaster and, and uh, improviser um uh i don't know if you've heard of comedy bang bang uh yeah yeah with uh, oh gosh i can't remember the guy's name um um scott arkerman yeah uh they're all kind of tied together and uh they do a lot of shows together, and it's just hilarious stuff. So you, with all the content out there, you can't help but you know, try keep your head plugged into all these things. But uh, I'm trying, trying to uh, step away from it for a while and remember that hey, you got a family. <laughs> you gotta <laughs> talking about being a dad. You gotta be a dad. You can't parent while you're, you know, taking in a comedy show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or well, at least you, at least you can't do either one at full capacity. Right. Right. <laughs> Uh, you you name the kids. We I guess we haven't said your wife's name. By the way, is Diana, lovely lady, uh, an educator yes. and and a uh, 
um, well, a pretty foxy chick in her own right, if, no. I don't, if you don't mind me saying so. <laughs> no, not, not at all. Not at all. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the kids now for a second and how you document them. Now, I don't think that you've actually mentioned it, but you are a photographer, too, and a very gifted photographer. So I know you're taking a ton of pictures all the time, both with your, you know, your iPhone, but also your professional camera. W- what are some of the other ways that you like keep up with the kids, document their growth and um, you know, this period of time in your family, do you like keep a journal? Uh, do you have, do you make a lot of videos or is it just like, Hey, I'm going to take all these pictures. And then someday when things slow down, I'll figure out something to do with them all. Well, the, the, the last thing there, um, it, and I think a lot of people suffer from that, I guess, uh, especially in, in this digital, digital age where it's so easy to document via, um, you know, your phone, uh, uh the video capabilities of your phone. Um, yeah, I've, I've got, I mean, I've got a, Gosh, well, uh, probably a two terabyte drive full of uh, photographs of, you know, my kids and just different things. Um, I'm a shutterbug. Like you said, I, I'm either pulling out my phone or, you know, pulling out my, uh, my DSLR to capture stuff uh, on, the, on, you know, on, on, on the regular. And when you get that much, when you, when you curate that much information, digital information, it's just hard to keep up with it. It's hard to sit there and edit every photo, you know, um, uh, and so, yeah, I, I just got a drive just full of photos that God knows what I'll do with. Um, I was sitting down with Deanna the other day and said, uh, I was, we're like, okay, we, we have this summer, you know, obviously we're going to try to get away and do some things, but we really need to try to print these images, you know, do something with it because, uh, they just, our lives live, you know, live on these, uh, you know, these drives and I guess, uh, and in the cloud, uh, these days, uh, it's just, um, it's so easy to, to snap and forget. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I'm, 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 I'm glad that you asked that because uh, it gives me a little bit of inspiration to go and do something with those images. You know, I, I have, I have a, a huge collection of images uh, just from the recent birth that we had um, with, our, with our son. And uh, I've been wanting to do something with that, maybe even design a booklet, put it together. Um, I have this bad habit of trying to do everything myself when we have all these services out here that make things so easy. Um, specifically, you know, when it comes to putting together a booklet, you know, you have um, uh, Snapfish and Shutterfly and all these other, um, and even Apple has a service where, you know, uh, they'll uh, stitch together a book for you. But there's something about me that I, I just want to do it myself, you know? And, uh, but I know with my schedule, it will never happen. It will never happen. And so, <laughs> I mean, so I, I, one of these days I'll get it done. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I, I just keep putting that sort of stuff at the list of projects that I'm going to do when all the kids are in college. Like when I'm sitting at home yeah. in my underwear and the house is empty, uh, you know, I'll, I'll make, I'll make a bunch of photo books to keep, to keep me company in my, uh, empty nest. Yeah. And going back, kind of, uh, it's kind of a, a, a uh, kind of a go back to, uh, to your earlier question about like, uh, aggravations that you know, my wife has, I have, just being a creative, I have probably, I don't know, 20 projects just looming, you know, just things that I want I, I, that I'm going to do, quote unquote, uh, that never get done. You know, like I, I've got, you know, like I was saying earlier, I have, I have kind of a, a woodworking kind of uh, bug. Um, this, and this, again, that primarily comes from my dad. I, I remember sitting there, you know, helping him with projects going, I will never, ever touch a hammer or, you know, any tools in my life, I want to have a desk job, I want to, you know, or, or do something creative, um, you know, uh, I'll never do this stuff. And now it's, it's everything I can do to, you know, uh, you know, uh, to, uh, 
to stop you know coming up with all these woodworking projects in my head uh and so uh i've got probably two or three projects going on right now um <laughs> uh, of that nature um and so uh it's just hard to it's hard to try to draw down you know and just say okay well i'm going to work on this one thing until it's done i'm not going to touch a thing i don't care if it's the greatest idea since sliced bread i'm not gonna i'm not gonna deal with it until i get this one thing done so uh, I've got, uh, you mentioned uh, Tyler and Tegan are your two uh, children. Tegan, uh, six or seven? Uh, six going on seven. Six going on seven. There you go. And Tyler, yeah. seven months now. And then I, I've yeah. got uh, Judah, who is uh, seven years old. I've got Remy, who's about to be six. Uh, those are my two sons. And then we've got the twins, Utah and Nola, 18 months old now. Now, Judah, he's a builder, and he loves to play with Legos and with Connects. He built a roller coaster the other day in, in his bedroom. turned out really well. Uh, Remy is a drawer. He likes to be a very active child as well. Uh, he loves to play on the slides. He loves to uh, swing and all of those sorts of things. Uh, the girls, Utah is more of a clothes horse. She loves her purses and her shoes. And Nola, <laughs> Nola is a jokester, man. She's a huge fan of um, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And in general, she loves music. She is my dancer. Uh, and, and she'll always throw down with mom and dad and, and party in the living room. Tell us about yeah. some of, outside of you, what, what, what do your kids pursue? And maybe with Tyler, it's, it's about lunch and pooping at this point. But for Tegan, <laughs> yeah, basically, Tegan, what's going on for what's going on with her? What's a great day for Tegan? Um, well, she's kind of like, and I, I, you know, you're you're talking about, um, you know, things that uh, that she does on her own and things that manifested, you know, that she's manifested or whatever. But um, I, again, she a lot of the things she's interested in, I'm interested in. Um, and I don't know if that's just kids in general, but um, you, well, you mentioned Legos earlier. Uh, I had tons of Legos as a kid. I mean, t buckets of the stuff. It, it, it was so, well, there was so much cheaper back then. You mm. could just buy, you know, tons and tons of sets and, and you know, mix and match and do all kind of stuff. And so uh, I, was a, I was a big Lego fan back then as well. Um, and since the Lego movie came out, was that a couple of years ago now? Yeah, two, two, two and ago? a half. Yeah. Um, since she's seen that, she's kind of, you know, created her own fandom of Legos. And so... The past few birthday, well, you know, more than that, uh, but the, I'll, I'll say this, her sixth birthday, probably, she asked for a Lego set, I believe it was. And, um, and so we got her one, um, small one, thinking that, okay, well, she'll, you know, like a lot of her toys, she'll, you know, play with that and, and then off to the closet land with, her, with, with it after that. And she'll just lose interest and that'll be that. Um, but she, uh, she's built quite a healthy fandom of them. And now she's probably... She doesn't have as many as I had when I was a kid as of yet, but um, she's probably got about two, no, no more, I'm talking about two, uh, like four or five different sets that, she, uh, that she's working on now. And so she's, she's really big into that. Um, and she, I think, of, you know, she's mentioned it once or twice that she wants to, and this is probably coming straight from the movie, but she wants to become a, you know, a master builder and all this stuff and be able to create stuff on her own. And, and that kind of, I don't know, it kind of warms my heart uh, just because there was a time where, Again, you know, when you're a kid, or when I was a kid, rather, um, the Lego sets weren't as, like, I guess as, um, as marketed, uh, not marketed, obviously, a market, but I mean, they're, um, they didn't have as much um, pop culture tied to it, you know? Now yes, you, they weren't branded. They weren't branded, exactly, that's the word I was looking for. Um, they weren't branded as much as they are now. Now you have, you know, whole sets based on Harry Potter, and, 
and also, well, you were mentioning Star Wars. Like, you know, there's tons of Star Wars uh, sets, and so I think that's increased the 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 price over time. And so it's it's so they're so much more expensive now. But at that time, I you know you could just buy you know two or three buckets of random non-branded quote unquote uh, uh, sets and just go to town and just, you, know, you let your imagination run wild. But uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. You you talked about the master builder. Here's a story to share with Tegan. Uh, to keep that interest going long term. This is one of my favorite things that I ever heard about Lego. And if it's not true, I don't want to know. Don't send me emails. I, I just want to believe this is true. Supposedly, the way that I heard it, the designers in the Lego uh, you know, facility, when they're actually creating these sets, they, they pull fresh blocks. They've got giant walls worth of bins, and they're all you know, sorted by size and shape and color. They pull the Legos. They build the sets that they want to build. They, they create these designs. They're photographed from all sorts of different angles so that they can be recreated and put into plans. And then literally, they are scraped off into a bin to be burned, melted down, because that's cheaper. <laughs> They're melted down and turned into black bricks because that's cheaper than having anyone in the Lego facility take these things back apart and resort the pieces. And the idea that you only ever got to play with brand new Legos, what an amazing job would that be? <laughs> Dude, look, that's the one design flaw I think that Legos have. And, and this is my one little pet peeve, although I, I try not to, you know, discourage, but like, you know, I'll be sitting there, you know, I'm, I'm sitting at my computer a lot, you know, either designing something or, you know, editing photos or whatever, whatnot. And uh, Tegan will come up to me, you know, pull on my shirt or whatever and go, can you take this apart? And it's that one, I don't know if you, well, of course you're familiar because you're a fan, um, the flat Legos. When a flat Lego goes against, you know, or is yes. another flat Lego, it's so hard to get apart, you got to get like an X-Acto knife to pull it apart. Or like the, yeah. eyegra- the eyeglass screwdriver or something, you know, to like pry it yeah. up. Oh, yeah, that's no, right. terrible. Yeah, it's, ri- it's ridiculous. And so, and I know that this is just maybe pulling straws, but it seems like they'll be able to, over all these years, improve on that design somehow to where you can easily pull them apart. I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just, maybe at each corner or maybe one corner, just have like a little cut, like a little slice from the block so you can easily fit a fingernail in there to pry it apart. I don't know what, what that. I don't know if that would work, but um, but something to make it easier because like clockwork, every time she finishes a set and she has to pull it apart to you know she, she pulls it apart and then she wants to rebuild it another day. I, I I get about at least fifty requests like oh go pull this one apart. Can you can you dad can you just can, just one more please? <laughs> I know it's sad to say, but I mean it's just one of those nagging things uh, uh, about it. But again, I don't want to discourage. Yeah, that's right. That's the, so that's our job, Dad. We just keep pulling apart the hard Legos. Just keep pulling them apart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, all right, let's let's move a little bit into the future here. You and I are both. We've got seven year olds effectively as our eldest. So we're we're not too deep into the big bad questions of the world and the big bad issues God. of the world. But that's right around the corner, man. So one of the things that I think about a lot uh, is how I introduce different topics. Um, and, and one of the ways that it was done for me and one of the main tools that I use for the boys is, is sort of pop culture. Like, hey, when we wanted to have top conversations about death for the first time, we used Finding Nemo, you know, the opening of Finding Nemo. They knew, they, that's their reference instead of Bambi like it was for us, I guess. But um, I, And I think about that for sexuality. I think about that for violence. I think about that for... Uh, you know, uh, language and profanity. 
and the different times that you introduce those things and, and the atmosphere and the environment and the, the manner in which you introduce them to your children. I find that very interesting. And I like to hear other people talk about it. <laughs> now, I like to keep my mouth shut when they talk about it because the places where I differ, uh, you know, this is something that people can get really passionate about and can all of a sudden they're telling you you're a terrible parent or, or you want to tell them they're a terrible parent or something. But I mean, I, Mike, I look back. I remember vividly, uh, since this is a Father's Day uh, episode, well, I'll tell the story about Dad. I remember very vividly the year that Predator came out on VHS. Now, I didn't get to go see it in the movies, uh, but I was, I, I think, five, six, seven maybe at the most. But I mean, I, I'm pretty sure this was like 87, so I would have been six, six and a half. Uh, my dad was a carpenter, uh, just like yours, as a matter of fact, and a, and a contractor. And he generally worked with one other guy, uh, this guy named David, uh, who was a hilarious guy with a gigantic handlebar mustache. Uh, David, David came to work, though, one day, and he was ranting and raving about this new movie, this action movie that he had seen that he just loved. It was called Predator, and Dad needed to rent it and watch it. Um, now, mine was a household where we grew up watching together as a family, even younger than six, the Die Hard movies together. That, like, that, was, our, wow. that was our good time evening uh, for a family. So... Dad rents Predator, and he brings it home. It's obviously not a movie that Mom's going to be interested in. Uh, Jenna was too young. So he and I go, and we used our dining room chairs. We sat about uh, six feet in front of my 13-inch uh, square TV set that was in my bedroom at the time. And we popped this VHS in, and uh, my dad in his, I don't know, I guess he would have been late 30s at that time, and me about six years old, we watched Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Predator, uh, and 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 you know this is a movie for those who haven't seen it, where multiple people are skinned and hung up, right? Like their entire bodies are skinned and hung without it. It's a, it's a very very violent film. Uh, it's harsh. It's harsh for kids. And there's a lot of bad language, of course. There's some sexuality, like uh, I think there's you know some boobs and that kind of thing too. At, at least, yeah. But this is <laughs> not. This is not. Uh, even remotely something that I would ever consider showing to my kids. I'm, I literally have just introduced the boys at seven and six to the original Avengers movie, the live action Avengers movie. Now we watch a lot of superhero cartoons, but to me, even the Marvel movies as family friendly as they are, that family friendly would extend to, I would think 10 or 12 the, for younger kids than that. The combination of the occasional language, but more than that, it's just a massive amount of violence that, I feel right. like it's too much. Like all it's going to do is cause them to hit another kid and they don't know the differences between fiction and real life. Right. So talk a little bit about that if, if you can and, and tell me some of the things that have come up for you. Some of the, what are some of the movies that you thought, man, this would be great. I can't wait to show that to Tegan. And then you really get to thinking about it and you're like, it's not time to show that to Tegan. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, well, gosh, you know, like your, your dad seemed like a cool guy. <laughs> open, yeah. We had to open times. up that world to you. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm same as you. Um, I could imagine at this age, you know, introducing, you know, purposely, you know, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff, you know, a lot of the movies that, you know, that I'm into and have been into, you know, uh, uh, for a while. Um, yeah, my dad, oh gosh, my, that was a tough one. My, my dad, um, it was the total opposite. Like I, I couldn't like, uh, he didn't monitor all of my, um, uh, TV watching per se, but there were certain things that he just, he, that he knew of that he didn't want me watching. Like, um, and funny enough, a lot of those things, you know, he eventually got into, weirdly enough, like, um, and there may be, maybe weird, um, examples, um, uh, but, um, 
like the Simpsons, you know, couldn't watch the Simpsons, at least not, you know, not in front of him. Um, uh, I don't know if you remember the, a show back in the nineties called Martin. Yes. Uh, Martin Lawrence, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the comedian. Um, yeah, he had this show. It was just goofy, you know, just lighthearted stuff. But I mean, a lot of it was a little, well, I guess at least to him, and a lot of parents probably it was a little risque. So, um, I, you know, I couldn't watch any of that stuff, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, my folks, you know, well, I'll say my folks, but my mom had um, <laughs> back in the day with VHSs and stuff, you know, where you can record, you know, uh, you know I'm not saying that, you know, everybody did this, but, you know, you would, you know, sometimes you would get a VC, uh, VHS uh, tape from like, you know, the local block rust, blockbuster or whatever. And then, you know, um, and um, have another v- VHS recorder and then hook them together and copy those videos. Yeah, the, you know, we had the original CD burning right there. Yeah, man. Right, Dove and tapes. right, exactly. Just rigging it up, just rigging it up. Well, <laughs> we had tons of those. And I mean, they were like, I mean, my, you know, my mom you know, had uh, so many like uh, um, of these uh, recorded VHSs. And so like there were movies like, <laughs> like you know action jackson i don't know if you know about that but like uh yes. that movie back in the you remember action jackson yes man yeah. yeah it was i mean everything was in there i mean you know you had violence you had at least one scene of you know <laughs> of uh of uh risque behavior um <laughs> put it like that and uh that was kind of my introduction to all that stuff just kind of you know finding those videos uh, and watching you know watching those movies but yeah uh i was never <laughs> I was never introduced to it directly by the folks. And, and, and as far as me uh, uh, introducing it to, you know, to Tegan and eventually Tyler, uh, I don't know, man. I, I feel like I need to, like, there's some things that I definitely geek out about. I'm like, yes, we, we got to watch. We're going to watch, you know, you know, all the Marvel properties or we're going to watch, you know, um, uh, you know, maybe some adult swim stuff, you know, just <laughs> goofy stuff that we used to be into. Uh, and I used to be into, into, you know, during my college days, but it's, you don't want to be that guy, you know, it's weird. You, you, it's, you, you don't know how they're going to take it and where they're going to, you know, what they're going to do with it and how they're going to bring, they could look at it, you know, and, and, and really interact with it on a very surface level. Like that's what that is, you know, and I know exactly the difference and da, 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 da. But, uh, you never know, like you said, they may take it, you know, as, you know, as scripture, you know, <laughs> just, you know like, this is how things work in the world. And so uh, it's tough. It's tough. I, you know what, though? I do. I do. I think that, you know, you have to kind of you have to monitor and kind of, you know, and uh, not totally be a center to your kid. Totally. But, you know, just make sure that they're getting the right stuff. And then eventually this is my this is my, I guess, I don't know, goal or, or hope like further in the future. You know, when, you know, Tegan and Tyler are like in their 20s or whatever, we can get together and like, you know, look at, you know, <laughs> maybe Predator in this case or, or you know, something that uh, I wouldn't uh, dream of them seeing, you know, at a you know super young age. So it's, it's tough. It's tough, you know, because. Well, I, I remember. OK, so so my one of my best friends, Richard Bennett, he and his father, Rick, have I don't think they've ever like sat down and watched it together. But they both have a, a tremendous love for um, Kubrick and all of his films. And right. in particular, his, his dad had told him for years, he said, you, have you seen Eyes Wide Shut? And, and Richard said, oh, yeah, I like it. <laughs> I like it. I like this thing about it or that thing about it. And this is after he was grown. You know, he was in college or out of college or something like that. He was in his 20s at least. And they had good conversations about it. But his dad told him, he said, son, 
it's a wonderful movie and you will, you, I'm sure you did appreciate it. You will appreciate it on a whole nother level after you've been married for 10 years, when you're in your thirties, when you're in your forties, there, there are other things that that movie speaks to that, that only will come with age and time. And they have had several conversations about that movie, about 2001, about Lolita, about uh, all of Kubrick's, um, you know, uh, pantheon of films. And, while my dad and I have not talked about Eyes Wide Shut specifically, like he and I have had some really in-depth conversations about um, some of the better films in, let's say, John Wayne's, uh, uh, you know, catalog, for instance. Like I go right. back and I watch True Grit or I watch Rio Bravo. And that is, to me, hearkening back to the things that my dad was into that I wasn't when I was young. He was a big Westerns fan and I couldn't get it, man. The first one yeah. that finally won me over was The Outlaw Josie Wales, which is a, was a movie oh, yeah. he, he loved. And he and I have talked about those movies so many times since then and, and developed a real appreciation for them. I, I, the one thing that I wish that he loved more that I would love to talk to him about is, is the storyline and the themes and the different um, points that I feel so strongly about in the Godfather series, which is one of my favorites. Oh, wow. That's one of those that I hope one of my kids uh, at least will be really into and in their twenties and their thirties, we can have conversations about, you know, the arc of Michael Corleone and, and yeah. what it means to be uh, a hero for your family and yet your own destruction, you know? And like, I, I, I just, right. I love that series so much. And yes, there's violence in there and yes, there's sexuality and yes, there's language in those films, but it's about using all of those things to talk about the human condition. And right. on a on a very microcosm, like to me, I think my job in some one of my jobs anyway as a dad is to help give my kids the like the filter through which to pour all of pop culture so that they are looking for those things so that whatever they watch, whether it be. <laughs> I don't know, you know, 21 Jump Street, uh, 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 you know, 42 or whatever. Another, uh, another cringe-worthy um, uh, movie to look at with your kids. There's so many things in there you, yes. you can imagine. Oh, but my God. But, but as stupid as that movie is and as, like, um, seemingly just nonsensical and offensive as that is, it you know, like, entertainment is not mindless. And all entertainment is trying right. to say something. It is, it is art no matter what level of art we might consider it. Like, and so to pour all of those things, whether it's that or whether it's Macbeth or whether it's, uh, or whether it's the predator, you know, to pour all of those things through that, that sieve and say, what is it that's worth taking from this? What was the artist trying to say? And, and I feel like even now at seven years old, occasionally I get that with Judah. Like we watched, um, yeah. uh, we watched Jurassic Park for instance, you know, and he, the, the, which one, the, the very first, first one, the... the very first one. Okay. And he loved it. He absolutely was enthralled the entire time. Just like me. I remember I was about 11 or 12 when that came out. It was one of the first movies I remember going all by myself to see. I didn't have any friends with me. My mom and dad didn't come. I just, it was just me in a movie theater. And when that brontosaurus first strides across the park and you see him, you know, full out, like it changed my life. It was cool. Right some 20 years hence or 25 or however many it's been like to see Judah have that same reaction. That was really, really awesome the other night. But when we get to the end of the thing, we were talking about the movie and he was telling me about the scary parts and the, and the cool parts and et cetera, et cetera. But one of the things he said was, I think they just should never have made those dinosaurs. Don't you? <laughs> and like, and that's a very simple answer. But at the, at the end of the day, that movie is about not messing with, creation right like not messing with right. with life and he got that at seven years old he got that and that made me excited right 
And, you know, it's funny because kids will bring you back down to that level as far as just simplifying things, just going straight to, you know, for the straightforward, you know, obvious truth of, you know, whatever you're watching. Because we, we tend to, I think, overanalyze movies sometimes. Not overanalyze, but just, you know, just think about them, you know, and try to break it down so much. And kids will come out and just point out the most obvious thing. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't have pulled that, you know, that DNA from the amber and, and created all these dinosaurs again and have them, you know, <laughs> ramsack uh, an island and, you know, eat, eat people, you know, left and right. You know, it's just uh, kids will bring you back down to that, that obvious truth or answer. You know, it's a beautiful thing. And, and I think that you're right um, about being you know, the filter for your kids in a certain way, you know, to where they can, you know, digest certain things and, and, and hopefully on the other side of that, get down to whatever that, you know, the true meaning of whatever that, you know, video or, you know, movie, you know, is trying to say or what the director is trying to say or whatever, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still, it's still a tough, it's still a tough, it's a tough, uh, um, I guess, place to bring your kids you know because i mean i don't know you know your dad seemed like he again he was kind of more open to other things than my dad but um it you know i think most parents kind of try to put in this you know level of morality of their own morality into your you know into your life or or whatever and you know it, it makes you at least it made me a little um hesitant to jump on or to watch certain things, you know, until I got to a certain age. Uh, and then, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know if, again, I guess it depends on the, the, the kid, but um, I think some kids could jump into content, you know, like that, you know, like your Jurassic Parks, like your, you know, whatever, and, you know, and take it for what it's worth and, you know, be very... Um, um, analytical about it and you know and, and leave it there versus some kids that will you know take it to heart or you know or you know dwell on adjust it. their How, behaviors yes yes adjust their behaviors yeah. or end up with like with ongoing nightmares like an actual like a psychosis oh, about something you know yeah exactly and that's one thing even bringing it back to my kids like tegan um for instance um is very very uh, analytical about certain, you know, movies and, and very, you know, squeamish. Like she, you know, she, like she hates, 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 even if it's in, you know, a cartoon, um, guns, you know, and, and the thing is like, I, I didn't place that in her, you know, I, you know, I, I, I went hunting as a kid with my dad and stuff. So I'm not squeamish about guns. Um, although, you know, my views on them have changed over time, but I didn't, you know, I didn't plant that, you know, fear into her. Like, that's just something that she has. And so, like we're really, you know, so, you know, we're really kind of aware of, uh, of, <laughs> of this fear. And so we try to, you know, make sure that, you know, wherever she's watching is kind of, you know, you know, um, gun, you know, gunless programming, I guess, now, you know, um, uh, and, you know, I, I don't know, we, we tried to tell her also at the same time that, you know, it's just, it's just a movie. It's just fiction. You know, it's no one's going to come and get you. You know, it's, this is just in the movie, you know, but it's, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard decision, you know, to, to want to expose them to all this, you know, content, you know, and uh, at the same time kind of protect their sensitive uh, um, psyches on all this stuff, you know. And they, and they don't stop making them either. That's the thing that ticks me off. Like every year I'm like, oh, there's 15 new movies that I feel like I've got to show my kids and yet there's no more time and they're not uh, developing 
uh, faster so that I'm ready to show them all of these things either. I, <laughs> I, as a, as a, in particular, as a movie geek, it, I feel this way about some books too. Like, oh God, I wish they would just get older so that I could read these books with them, you know? Um, right. But but with movies, it's so easy to pop in a two hour film and then and then now we've got this shared experience, you know, and I want to shove them all in their head so that uh, they can talk about all the things that I like to talk about. I guess that's one of the things that I'm getting. You know, what's funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you do want to share all the stuff with them, but sometimes it can, you know, backfire and even in ways that they can't pick up. For instance, um, uh, they, they put the whole, you know, um, uh, I guess it's like 12 uh, seasons, I guess I'm not sure, of the Cosby show on Netflix. And so Tegan started watching. Well, we watched the, you know, we were like, Deanna and I were like, oh, God, you know, the Cosby shows on, you know, on Netflix. It's our, our childhood, you know, right there, you know, on the screen. Um, and so uh, we started, wa- you know, watching uh, this, you know, the, the from season one. And Tegan was in the room one time and she caught on to it and, you know, just, really naturally uh, um, connected with Bill Cosby, which was part of the magical, I guess, thing about Cosby is that he could kind of make everyone laugh, you know, not just adults with kids and everyone in between. And so uh, she got hooked on it, right? And wanted to watch it and, uh, and you know, requested uh, over and over again, let's watch the Cosby show. You know, I was just, my heart at the time, you know, was filled with joy. Like she loves this thing that was, you know, part of my childhood. And then the whole scandal broke with, you know, everybody knows about it now, Cosby and all these, you know, ladies coming forward and talking about, you know, <laughs> all the things that Cosby did to the, to the ladies. You know? and, yes. so it, and so, you know, it, now, now it put me at this crossroads. It's like, OK, well, she doesn't know about this stuff. You know, she doesn't know about the scandal and she loves the show. What do I do as a, as a parent? Do I, you know, just let her, you know, continue to watch? Unknown, you know, unknown to her that you know all this stuff has happened, or do I, you know, curtail her watching? I, I don't know. Um, it's just it's this weird conflict that pops up, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's not like she's ready to know about what happened and why you don't approve of him anymore, perhaps as a as a person, and yet. What other explanation can you give her? Like, no, we don't watch the Cosby Show anymore. Why, why, Dad? Did it stop being good? No, no, it's still quite good. Uh, we just don't like we just don't like Bill anymore. <laughs> right. I, so I've, yeah. I've held you like uh, over already, but I, I want to ask you this one more thing before I let you go. Um, with Judah in particular, uh, because of his building, I'm hopeful that this actually might take root down the road. But for my kids, I really wish that one or more of them gets actively interested in coding and programming. It's something that I wish that I had pursued more in high school and, and college. I feel like I had some aptitude for it. It's so much harder to learn now that you're doing a full-time job and a full-time dad and everything too. So it's hard to learn and add those new skills if you don't already have a basis for them. Um, but it is something that I hope to pursue myself someday. And I'd love for them to, because I know it is so much of the future. We're going to be interacting more and more with machines and those who have a basis in the idea of how to program those machines and how um, you know computer learning works and how machines understand uh, human speech and, and uh, human language and the way that we interact with those machines will be better off inherently, whether they actually use it as a career or not. If you have that basis, you're going to be a better designer. If you have that basis, you're going to be a better uh, manager. If you have that basis, you're going to be a better business person in a lot of ways. Um, so that's the one for me that I really try to push. Is there 
a, a pursuit that you don't necessarily do and that you don't even actually like actively push with your kids, but you sort of lay back and wish you daydream, man, I really hope they get into X. Well, yeah, I mean, well, and maybe this is just kind of a grass is greener kind of thing. Maybe I don't know. Um, but, you know, just being, you know, again, a highly creative guy, you know, you know, since, you know, my, my youth, um, I've kind of poured all of my time and effort in, in, into, into that, into just, you know, the visual arts and, 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 and you know, and woodworking and, 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 and things that, you know, doing things with your hand and all that stuff, um, which in some cases, you know, takes on a little bit of math, but sometimes takes a little bit more than, than, than that. But I just want them, I, I, I would like, you know, them to find a way to tie together, you know, you know, math, science into, into the arts. You know, I know that's kind of, it's kind of a dust statement because they, to me, at least, I think they go hand in hand in a lot of ways, but just, I want them to be, you know, I want them to excel in both, you know, I want them to, whether, you know, you know, Ty grows up and becomes a mathematician that, that loves, you know, how movies are made or, you know, the, 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 you know, uh, you know, the, 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 the visual side of movies or even with Tegan, like she grows up to be, I don't know, you know, astrophysicist or whatever. Um, but, you know, she really loves painting and, and wants to create a career with that. I want to find a balance, like a healthy balance between the two, um, because I know for sure that I don't know. I, I'm, I'm this guy that, you know, again, is very much into, you know, the visual arts and all this stuff. But, you know, I, I ponder about, you know, you know. You know, I don't know, all these scientific things, you know, specifically, you know what, this is the thing. And we're going to try, maybe I can plant a seed here. Um, I'm going to get Tegan, hopefully, maybe, or, maybe I hope I don't spoil this, maybe she, well, hopefully she doesn't listen to it. But uh, I want to get her a, a telescope, right? Because I've been big into um, Cosmos. Yes, uh, the new the one Neil, with Neil deGrasse Tyson, <laughs> yeah, the yes. Tyson. Exactly. Right. I've been huge into that. And I've always had a wonder of the cosmos and of astrology and all that stuff, but never really jumped into it. Um, but that series has really kindled or rekindled rather my um, my appreciation and my curiosity of that. And so maybe uh, sometime soon I'd like to get her like, a, you know, maybe not a super high powered one, but, you know, something, you know, some kind of telescope to where she can go out and just gaze out, you know, and maybe have that same love kind of affect her. Um, and maybe that may turn into an astrophysicist career. Who knows? But uh, whatever, whichever way they go, I, I just want them to have a healthy balance of both, you know, because uh, I think it'll propel them, uh, you know, far in life. And uh, they won't. Once upon a time, you got Carl Sagan doing Cosmos on TV and little Neil deGrasse Tyson sitting at home watching it and falling in love with the stars, thinking anybody can do that. I'm going to do that someday. Uh, maybe now, right. you know, 20 years from now, when they bring back Cosmos again, uh, Tegan can be at the head of it. Exactly. Exactly right. So, you know, <laughs> we can only hope. We can only hope. Plant the seed and see what happens. Man, uh, amazing stuff. I'm so glad that we got to talk together, uh, Mike. And we're going to do this again. Seriously, you were a great guest. Uh, before we let you go, is there anywhere online that people can find more from you or follow you? Uh, you got something that you want to push them to to check out? Gosh, you know, I, I need to get my website back up. But hey, hey guys, Squarespace. Squarespace, get, get your website going. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, too, and it seems like that's always being plugged. But uh, <laughs> but uh, not as of yet. Uh, I had a website of my personal 
personal stuff, my personal design work. Um, um, but I, at least I can plug it on here. Um, my uh, my personal freelance company, as it were, is Blanc Studios, Blanc Design Studios. And uh, just keep looking for it. I'll hopefully pretty soon in the future have a website back up. But that's all for uh, as of yet. Excellent. And uh, when that, that link is good, we'll, uh, we'll make sure that we get it on our website too and uh, get it out on our Facebook and, uh, and Twitter accounts as well. Mike, thanks again, man, for joining us. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Dude, not a problem. It was awesome. I had a really great time talking to Mike this week. That's Philip Michael LeBlanc. Uh, you can uh, look for uh, Blanc Design Studios on uh, online, and we'll have the links for his website as soon as that's up and running as well. But uh, you can also check back here. We're going to have him on again soon to talk about another geeky topic. I had such a good time talking to him, but we don't get to hang out nearly enough. So appreciate him for joining us this week and hope you enjoyed it. If you do enjoy these uh, episodes and if you've been enjoying the podcast, you can help us out in a couple of ways. First, you can review the show on iTunes or on Stitcher. That's a great way to help other people like you find the show, and I think uh, more people would enjoy it. You can also uh, email us. Let us know what you like and what you'd like to hear more of. Me and the Geek at Team procreate.com. That's a great way to feedback. Or you could just share the show with a friend. If you've got somebody that you think would enjoy these same conversations just like you are, then share the show uh, and tell them how to find me and the geek pod.com. Until next week, I'm me. I'm the geek at the rogues life on Twitter. Uh, this week's geek was Philip Michael LeBlanc with Blanc design studios. And this has been the podcast. One, two, three, four. Me and the Geek is a proud member of the ProCast Network, a ProCreate production. ProCreate is a community of artists in film, music, the digital arts, and fine arts that helps them connect and collaborate on projects. You can find out more at teamprocreate.com. Also, be sure to check out one of our other great shows, like Movie Buzzed. The Movie Buzzed podcast is exactly what it sounds like. It's a place for friends to get together, watch a good movie, and catch a good buzz. Every episode, your host, Zach, will be joined by a special guest or five to have some fun. Movie Buzzed is where you'll find your friends and a good buzz waiting for you. At Tesco, we can pop our pasta in your Astra. Our Red Leicester in your Fiesta. Or our Mayo in your Mondeo. All you need to do is try Click and Collect. Just go to tesco.com, order your shopping, then click and collect. With the minimum basket spend now only £25. And if you fancy something a little more exotic, we can even put our Pad Thai in your Cash Kai. Try Click and Collect at tesco.com. Every little helps. Selected larger stores, booking charge may apply. See online for full terms and conditions. This is not just bread. This is a delicious M&S sliced loaf. Just one of our range that has been sliced from £1.15 to 65p. Enriched with vitamin D and fibre, it's great for packed lunches. This is not just value, this is M&S value. Subject to availability, excludes franchise stores.